It's episode 118 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show. This podcast provides the tools you need to create your own expression of a healthy ketogenic lifestyle so you can stop obsessing and start living. I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. Now, let's get on with the show. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, for joining myself and this one over here, Kristen. Who? On the Keto for Women show this episode, we are going into round two of your listener questions for this hot seat, all about diet mindset. We did one a few weeks ago, three weeks ago, I think it is now. So if you haven't listened to that one, go there after this. You don't have to go part one, part two. You can do part two, part one. It'll be equally as effective and informative. But head over there. Be sure to get those questions too. They all were such good questions. That's why we had to do two parts because you guys asked some great questions and we want to get to all of them because I know the people that ask those questions aren't the only people that have those questions. They're just the bravest ones, I think, or maybe the quickest ones, the ones that were actually on their phones at the time that I asked the question. Anyway, what's up? Oh, not much. Just, you know, hanging out over here, getting our podcast on. It's been a busy week. It has. Empower Intensive. Oh, yeah. How'd that go? First one, first coaching session. First Empower Intensive online coaching session. It was so fun. It's definitely, I think, what I'm meant to do because, you know, podcasting is awesome and I love it, but I can't dive into the nitty gritty. You can't see my face. You can't see my screen, all that stuff. Of course, there was technical difficulties, as always. I don't know. Maybe it was user error, but I don't think it was. I think it was just not a good day for the technology world. Maybe it was, what is it, like a new moon or a... Mercury retrograde. Yes. Let's just blame it on that. (laughs) Sure. But the cool thing is that we got the recording. And so those that already registered now have the recording to go back and watch and listen to as much as they need for the rest of their lives, which is good because this type of work, you need repetition and you need to actually do the work, which is why there's also homework involved. But we also now still have the recording and everything that comes along with it, you know, the worksheet, the homework assignments, all that stuff is now still available for sale just as a replay. So if you are interested in that, remember this topic was all about silencing your diet ego so you can listen to your body. So it's really that very first step to learning how to use your intuition, to detaching from the labels and restrictions that you have around food. It's really the first step to basically all mindset work, in my opinion, which is why it was the first one. If you feel like that's something that you need in your life, you can head to seanminer.com slash empower and get all that. You can see what's there or you can go right to the show notes in this episode and it will take you right there too. But we now will have a video library. One day it'll grow. Well, yeah, the library has one thing right now, but (laughs) it's kind of pitiful now, which brings me to my next point, which is that we will be announcing the October topic. So the next topic coming up and the date and all that next week. So we're going to keep you in suspense a little bit longer. Although if you do just a minor amount of digging, you will find it right now. (laughs) It's really, I'm not keeping it a secret. I just am going to wait and not share it on this episode. But that will be coming up next week. So be on the lookout for that. I don't really have a whole lot of announcements. Things are going great. We're ramping up for the last fat-burning female project of the year. And you might all be thinking, you talk so much about not dieting. Why are you still hosting the Fat-Burning Female Project, which is technically getting people on a ketogenic diet or helping them? Ooh, that's a great question. Should I answer it now? Uh, or should I eh, keep people in suspense? Eh, no, of course, answer it now. Oh. <laughs> So the thing is, and from the very beginning, I created the Fat Burning Female Project now three years ago. But from the very start, my whole goal was to take the diet piece out of keto. So a lot of people want to try keto to see if it's something that helps with their health condition. And this is the way to do it without 
getting obsessive or controlling or feeling weird around carbs, all the things that happen in a traditional keto approach these days, it's really become big in the diet industry. So of course, we're getting all these rules and, and crazy restrictions. And it doesn't have to be that way. And I teach the way to do that without. And really, the biggest thing that I love and will always love about the Fat Burning Female Project is for a lot of people, it is the stepping stone that takes them from this diet ego that they have and how they feel around food. And it's the stepping stone that bridges the gap to get to your intuitive sense and using your intuition, whether that keeps you towards a ketogenic approach or not, even just taking that little bit of time to regulate your blood sugar, to eat enough food, to get your body out of starvation mode and just really heal the body. Even if it's just the six weeks of the course, you have so much greater of an ability to use your intuition after the Fat-Burning Female Project. And I teach you how to do that right in the course too. So I'll stop talking now. No, that's great. Well, actually, I won't because it's my podcast and I still have to talk <laughs> for another 55 minutes, but about that particular subject. I need you to fill the space because clearly I don't have a whole lot to say. I mean, sometimes you do. You can go that's on your true. own sort of that's rants true. when you get really worked up, but you like to keep it brief. I do. Get right to the point. Nothing Efficient. wrong with that. No. That's why we're a good combo. No. But that's a good point. I think I've seen a lot of questions come up for either this hot seat or in your empower intensive session the other day, a lot of people are really struggling with the concept of how do I basically do a quote unquote diet therapeutically Mm -hmm. for health reasons and not get sucked into the diet mentality Mm -hmm. or the diet quote unquote mindset. So I'm just going to, I'm going to answer it because why not? The biggest way to do it. The biggest difference is that you are doing it knowing that that is the right course for you. You've tried other things. You know that when you eat high fat, low carb is when you feel the best, when your body responds the best, is when you love your food the most versus other things perhaps that you've done. So that is your body telling you that that's right. It's not the blogger. It's not the podcaster. It's not the quote unquote expert. It's what you are finding for your own health and happiness. And the same thing goes if it's paleo or if it's AIP. If you're doing those because you know when you do start including those foods, you don't feel as well, your body doesn't react as well, you start having issues, then that's something that you have learned about yourself versus trial and error. And so yes, your intuition can guide you to a place of eating more keto-like, eating more paleo-like, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I personally don't even think we need any of those labels right now. They're still just labels, but you're finding what works best for your health and your happiness for yourself is really the big difference. So who's telling you what to do? Is it some outside source or is it your own internal guidance? Yep. Internal versus external. Yeah, that's really good. Well, and that's why I think in the project you want to highlight so often about the bigger why, like finding your bigger Mm -hmm. why. Why are you eating this way? And it, it can't be some external thing, like you want to fit into your genes or whatever, right? The people that succeed and do it in a healthy way are the ones where it's for a bigger reason, right? To feel better, to move yeah. better. To no matter what you up. do, it has yeah. to be for a bigger reason, especially when it comes to food, because food is not going to provide that for you. As much as we are told that and we want to believe that, and this is going into a question we're getting into later, you've got to look deeper and you've got to detach that food is or isn't going to change my body and just they're two totally different things. And that's what we do. That's why we have a bigger purpose because no matter what food still is medicine. I truly believe that. Um, I also think food can be poison. So you're Mm -hmm. taking that approach when you get into the fat burning female project, not the approach of, I need to get into this dress before the wedding in six months. Yeah. Well, and because you've reconnected with your intuition, you know when to stop, right? You don't keep doing this because of a Mm fear-based thing where, oh, I'm afraid if I stop eating keto, I'm going to gain a bunch of weight back. Your body maybe is craving just a different way of eating now. Maybe it's healed itself. Maybe Mm -hmm. you're feeling better and it's now, you know, wanting a different framework to follow and it's about following those signals. Yeah. And it's so cool when you do have that ability. So that's what we're really working towards in the Fat Burning Female Project. I think it's a really good place. I still will always believe in it because I created it with that from the very beginning. All right. Anyway, enough chatting. Let's get rolling. 
Let's get rolling. We have so many questions and they're so good. Let's start with Christy. Okay. Christy asks, how can I honor my intuition and my body if I'm not accepting of my body yet? Love this question. I think this is a big one. And I think this is also one of the main reasons why we're stuck not being able to use our intuition because you can't honor your intuition. You can't use your intuition if you hate yourself. If you are going at it from a place of hate, you're not going to heal your relationship with food. You're not going to be able to use your intuition, especially as it comes, of course, to food and your body and any sort of choices in that regard. So the very first step has to be not necessarily accepting your body, which is what she wants to do, but you can respect your body. So we don't necessarily need acceptance, although I think you will find that acceptance comes very quickly once you learn how to respect your body. Because if you respect yourself and your body and everything that it's trying to do for you, then you can see way more clearly what the best choice is. And you won't look for these outside sources to try to figure out what you should be doing or what choices would be best for you because those aren't necessarily respectful to you. So it's definitely not necessarily an easy thing, especially if you've been hating yourself for a while or having these negative thoughts towards yourself and your body. So the first thing really is to just neutralize your relationship with your body. So body neutrality, which is detaching the thoughts that you have from having any sort of emotional impact on you. You're still most likely, I think we all probably do at some point, look at ourselves in the mirror and see something we don't necessarily love. But it's more so, can you acknowledge that, but not have an emotional connection or attachment to that? So that's the first step just that neutrality piece. And it's really just observation and awareness at that point. And you'll notice once you get started with that kind of mindset, then it becomes easier and easier. And then you will find that that respect, so you're kind of working on that neutrality and that respect is also coming too, because you see yourself for what you truly are and not like the cellulite or the fat rolls or whatever it is you don't love about yourself right now. You find yourself knowing and feeling that you are more than that. And then one more thing, along with that respect piece comes the detachment from the need to change things right now. So again, that's more of this acceptance piece that may take a little bit longer to get to, but you will notice as you start with the neutrality, as you start working to respect who you are and your body and what it's doing for you, then you can also get to a place of detachment from needing it to change right this moment. And that's the cool thing with acceptance is like, just for today, I'm just going to accept that this is me. This is who I am. This is okay. Everything's okay. This seems like such an abstract concept though. I mean, what, what can someone do? I mean, that seems like a huge leap. What can someone start practicing today and focus on for the next week to help them bridge the gap a little bit. Yeah. So like I said, the very first thing is looking in the mirror. And of course, you're probably going to have some sort of negative thought because you've trained yourself to do that by now and acknowledge that it's there. Like, oh, I just noticed that I saw the cellulite on my thighs. Like you're acknowledging it as a fact, like this just happened, but you're not like, oh, I'm now I hate myself or now I'm going to be in a bad mood or man, I need to go work out another hour to see if I can get this cellulite off. It doesn't affect you. It's not impacting your emotions or your thoughts beyond like this just happened. I acknowledge it. I'm moving on. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. I think we can all think back on times where we're, we're talking in our heads to ourselves and we don't even realize what we're saying is negative. Like we're in this autopilot mode almost Mm -hmm. and we let these thoughts just come up. And they're like all day, every day, even if you're not looking in the mirror, just like you see your arm flabbing or you are walking and you notice your legs are rubbing together. It's all day. And then you just think that and then, oh, it's like, it's kind of toxic, huh? Yeah. So like I said, first step, notice when you're doing it. Oh, I just did that. Yeah. Okay. And then moving on. Love it. 
And then from there, of course, it builds. But we'll start with that first step. I think that's a great first step. All right, let's move on. Okay, Holly, is there ever an aha moment where it all makes sense and you're free of the diet mentality? Well, wouldn't that be nice? I think we all want that aha moment. Just you wait. Some company is going to come out with a pill or something. That makes you have the aha moment. (laughs) They're going to market it as this aha moment. Where you never have to worry about your diet again. Someone probably already did. Probably. And then it like gave that people diarrhea. And so they had to take it (laughs) off the market. (laughs) Like that other diet pill. Instant Uh, gratification. Holly. There is not a moment I would not say necessarily. Maybe some people have had it, which is cool. Not the case for most people, but it is more of a series of moments that then gains traction. It's like a snowball effect. And so, of course, having a neutral diet mentality, being more free around food, using your intuition, it's a practice. So it probably always will be a practice, especially if you have a long history of dieting and that diet ego is kind of hard to die, but just know it will take time. It's a practice and it won't be a straight line. Again, very rarely is it like, oh, I'm doing better and better and better and better until all of a sudden it's gone. It's very much an up or down situation. Like one day you're great. All of a sudden the next day you wake up and your diet ego is crazy and you have to put it back in its place. The thing is, I think confidence will help you build this very quickly once you realize that you do have this inner voice that is really smart, really looking out for you, and it's in there. So the more experience that you have using your intuition and that inner guidance system the better it gets and the easier it gets and the more you are like excited to keep using it. So I think the biggest thing, and this is why I think a lot of people are scared to even get started, is because you think that if you start using your intuition and eat whatever you want, whenever you want, which is kind of this quote unquote definition of intuitive eating, which it's like so much more than that. But if you think that, and then all of a sudden you think releasing your food rules means you're going to just eat cookies and cake and crackers and chips all day. Isn't that weird? They all start with C. You're going to eat all the C's all day and you're never going to stop and you're never going to eat another vegetable. But that's not how it works. Our intuition is very smart. It's going to guide you to the things that will also keep you well. Because again, our body wants us to be safe and it wants us to survive, which means we're going to eat vegetables and you're going to crave vegetables again, I promise. But You have to kind of see that in action. And then once you see that and you realize that, oh, I'm not just going to reach for the cookies every day, all day, you might reach from once just to get it out of your system, maybe even more than that. And that's okay too. But you will see the power of your intuition and that it's going to guide you in the right way. And that will snowball into you wanting to keep using it, right? So then that happens more and more and more. Your diet ego comes in less and less and less. And then the other thing that I think is really powerful is that you also see that any sort of, if you do have issues with binge eating, emotional eating, overeating, yo-yoing, all of those things that I think between those, a lot of us can relate to having, those start disappearing. So when you see those tendencies or those urges start going away too, because you're truly listening to your body and giving it what it wants and nourishing it, that is super powerful too. Because of course, we want to feel more control and healthier around our food. And so those unhealthy tendencies start disappearing too. It seems like it's a common tale where folks describe like a short-term situation where they're coming off of being very restrictive and they're wanting to eat more intuitively. And so they're stretching that muscle and they'll go through a phase where they'll eat, say like they didn't allow themselves to have nut butter in the house because they just couldn't stop if they had it. And they'll go through like an entire week of eating Mm -hmm. jar after jar of nut butter. And then after that's done, they're like, I never want to touch nut butter again in my life. Totally. So it's kind of like you have to trust yourself and you have to go through this exercise of, okay, what is it like now to just eat what my body wants to eat and then just letting it do its thing. Mm -hmm. And and I guarantee that after eating a ton of whatever it is that you've been wanting for years and years, you're like, I never want to touch that again. Right. I mean, our palate is also very sensitive. So nut butter by the jar 
all day, every day is only appealing for so long. And I mean, I guess the longer that you restricted it and the harder you tried to restrict it, it may take a little longer, but it's not forever. And it's often not even like a week. It's very short lived. I know right now, if you're not currently doing it, it seems like, oh my God, all I want are donuts and cookies. There's no way. You might have donuts and cookies for a week, but I highly doubt it's going to go on that much longer. Now, if you eat those donuts and cookies and then the next day your diet ego comes back to haunt you and you start having these labels again, like, oh man, yesterday it was so bad. Now what am I going to do? That was such a bad thing that I did. I'm an awful human. All these things that our diet ego tells us. You just have to go through that process that much longer. So I think it's better, of course, like fully ditch the labels as much as you can and see the diet ego when it comes rearing its head for what it is. And like, that's going to go by really quickly. And you're going to go back to probably eating similarly to how you do now, because it makes you feel really good. You like the food you're cooking and you'll find these new ways to cook things too. So it's such a fine line, but it's such an easy balance to find too. Let me take just a quick break to talk about our sponsor for this episode of Keto for Women, Lola. Lola is a female-founded company offering a line of organic cotton tampons, pads, liners, and all-natural cleansing wipes. The founders started their company with a simple and seemingly obvious idea. Women shouldn't have to compromise when it comes to feminine care products. They ask themselves, if we care about the ingredients in the food we eat and the beauty products we use, why shouldn't the same be true of our feminine care products? I think we'd all agree with them on that one. I know I do for sure. Unlike other major brands, Lola products are 100% natural and easy to feel good about. No BS, mystery fibers, or doubts about what's going in your body. Plus, Lola products come in a simple, customizable subscription. Lola will deliver exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. Similarly to what we learned in last week's episode about the regulations for skincare and beauty products, the FDA does not require brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients in feminine care products either. So many of them don't. Lola offers complete transparency about the ingredients found in their tampons, pads, liners, and wipes. Major brands use a mix of synthetic ingredients in their products, including rayon and polyester. Their feminine care products may also be treated with harsh chemical cleansing agents, fragrances, and dyes. Remember, ladies, these products are hanging out in a very special and delicate area. We cannot take any chances with this. Let's clean it up. Lola products are 100% organic with no added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics, or dyes, which is why I love them. The most ingenious part about this whole thing, Lola makes your month a little bit easier. It is a monthly subscription service that is fully customizable, so you can choose your mix of products, your mix of absorbency, number of boxes, frequency of delivery, and you can change, skip, or cancel anytime you'd like. I have had the pleasure of using Lola for a few months now, and I am in love. There's nothing better than every month having the exact products I need at the exact time for my upcoming period and delivered right to my doorstep. So you never have this chance of running out, being caught without your supplies, and having to make an emergency run, which we've all done at some point in our lives, and that's no fun. I mean, of course, we get a period every month. Why would we not get the supplies we need delivered to our door every month too? Right now, Lola is offering Keto for Women listeners 40% off your first month's subscription. You go to mylola.com and enter keto the number four women when you subscribe and you will get that 40% off. Again, that is mylola.com. Enter the coupon code KETO, the number four women, when you subscribe and you'll get 40% off that first month. And a big thanks to Lola for helping bring this podcast to air by sponsoring this episode. Well, so what are your thoughts then on processed foods that where the manufacturers have put into the ingredients, some sort of addictive substance. So maybe it's a lot of salt, maybe it's a lot of sugar, maybe something worse where it really is the intention is to try to get people hooked. Right. So then how does that play in? Cause it's one thing where 
you're eating a whole foods diet and it's very hard to overeat or binge on like fat or Mm -hmm. protein, you know, some kind of meat or even vegetables. But then you start bringing in, like you said, the cookies, the chips, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff where it has an addictive quality. Yeah. It's like intended for that to happen. Well, this is where, again, we're using our intuition. We're not zoning out and just eating the whole bag of Cheetos. Like I always come back to Cheetos when I think of this (laughs) like manufactured product, because they're such a weird color of orange that is not found in nature ever. So that's just what pops in my head. And then it leaves your hands orange for like two days. But anyway, you don't find that funny, but I find it very funny. Totally disgusting. (laughs) It's like that kid in fifth grade that always had Cheeto fingers right. and you're like, do not touch me, please. Right. Like That's gross. You are stained orange. It's really weird. Yeah. But anyway, when you're using your full intuitive sense, you are being very present. You're enjoying the food. So you're noticing the texture and the taste and the smell and the look, all of it. So it becomes an experience. And when you have that full experience, it's not just the flavor that's enticing you. It's everything. And so you will still notice like, man, I just ate Cheetos like all day yesterday. Now I'm going to go back to this Cheeto again because I'm actually kind of craving it. But am I craving it from a level of almost like addiction? Like, and you'll feel that difference versus like, man, that really sounds good. Like, I know I'm going to have a really good experience all around, even with how I feel afterwards. And when you start asking those questions, I mean, Cheetos are only going to work for so long, right? It's only going to be this thing. I mean, it's probably never going to make you feel super good afterwards, but you know, you can go through that period of time where you're like, I just really want Cheetos. But then eventually using the full experience then would lead you to be like, all right, I'm kind of done with the Cheetos. Yeah. Because it makes me feel like crap. Because it makes me feel like crap. My hands are orange. This is not good. (laughs) It's under my nails. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that leads us nicely to the next question. What do you suggest for binge eating tendencies? Love this question. Really, this could be a whole episode. And I do actually plan on doing a whole empower intensive on binge and emotional eating because it's important and there's a lot of facets to it. I do want to share right here right now that I'm going to be talking about binge eating tendencies, which is not binge eating disorder. So their binge eating disorder is uh, eating disorder. You need to seek out medical attention, needs to be treated with a medical professional. That's not what we're going to be doing here. And if you do feel like you are out of control with your binge eating, and it's not just tendencies, but to the point of being a disorder and affecting your life, please seek help from your healthcare practitioner. So what's the line though? Like what draws the I think I mean there are there's basically like a checklist almost that people go through yeah. like healthcare practitioners go to to see if you get to the point of being disorder. I don't know it offhand, but I think even if you just feel like for me what I would say is if it is affecting your life to the point where you aren't being social, you're not happy, you can't go to work without, you know, like, like your day to day, right. But if it's, you know, once a week, when I allow myself to have a quote, unquote, cheat day, I go totally out of control, which was definitely the case for me. So I've been there, that would be the difference. But anyway, when you are binging, It is communication from your body. So that's the cool thing with, again, our own inner guidance is that when you have these emotions or drives around food, it's just communication. It's your body telling you that something's up, something's off. It doesn't like what you're doing. Let's change some things. So there could be a lot of different possibilities. And this is something you have to explore for yourself, of course. First one, physically, are you just not eating enough food? I mean, the amount of times, and this was the case for me, the amount of times that binging goes away when you just nourish your body and you eat enough food for the human female body, which is way more than what we're told or what we think we should do in order to lose weight, you know, like typical like 12 to 1400 calories a day. And doing that as much as you can in order to lose weight. That's what made me binge for sure. I mean, by the time Sunday came around, I was so hungry. My body was starving that I ate everything. So that of course led to binging, led me led to me feeling like crap. So really make sure that you are fully fueling yourself. 
And then the same thing goes, maybe you're eating lots of food, but you're not eating the right macro or micronutrient ratios for you. So that includes, yes, protein, carbs, fats, but it also includes your minerals and vitamins. So there could be something that's really off in you. So you're being driven to get as much of, you know, a food that maybe contains, say, like, vitamin D or something, you're being really driven for that kind of food to try to balance out your macro and micronutrients. And the same thing goes if you're trying to be keto or low carb or whatever, and then every weekend you just eat all the bread or something, that is maybe a sign that you're too low carb all around and your body would do better with more carbohydrates. And then it can also be from a physical perspective, blood sugar issues. So if you have these massive swings up or down, in your blood sugar, then that could drive you to eat more food to try to balance out and stabilize your blood sugar. So be on the lookout for that, something to consider. Mentally, it could be because you still have these food rules. Again, your diet ego is still present. So you're saying that you're not supposed to be eating this food. It's bad for you. It's not part of your plan. I can't do this. I'm a bad person if I do. All those excuses that our diet ego tells us leads us mentally to want that food more. We have a scarcity mindset around it. We just always want what we can't have. It's part of being a human. And so that could be driving you then to just like go for the whole bag of donuts. And then lastly, emotionally, it could be because you are trying to fill an emotional void that you're not getting elsewhere and you're using food to do that, which of course is also an emotional eating thing. But if it comes in the way of a binge, which I know, again, a lot of emotional eating is also in a binging tendency, it could be because you're bored, you're lonely, you're sad, you're mad, you're frustrated, you hate your life, you hate your job, you hate your husband, whatever it is, and you're using food to cope. So those are all things, again, that your body is communicating with you when you want to binge. So the biggest thing is, again, we're just building awareness. So be aware of why the binge may be happening as it's happening. You can be with it, allow it to happen, but do your best to stay with the experience. So don't try to stop yourself. If you're, I mean, it's probably not even going to work if you're really in that mode of I need to binge, but you can stay with the experience and allow it to happen and at the same time, be really introspective with it. So what is going on? What happened in my life or is my body trying to tell me by this binge. So be with it. And then afterwards, this is really, really important, especially to help break the cycle is to not beat yourself up about it. The more we have a negative attachment, as far as emotions go to our binge episodes after they're done, the more you're going to do it again. Like it's part of a cycle where you kind of beat yourself up and then you say you're never going to do it again and all this stuff where if you just allow it to happen, don't tie negative emotion to it and just use it as information, that cycle slows down and then eventually stops. So that would be kind of my biggest reasons why. Now, the only other thing I have to say, like I said, eat enough food, but if we're trying to get yourself to stop binging, eat enough food, eat a wide variety of foods, get all the colors of the rainbow. Don't just rely on obviously packaged processed foods because you're going to be super nutrient depleted, all that good stuff. Remove the labels. So again, we have to look into our diet ego and silence that. And then find another thing that really lights you up that you can do to occupy your time, to get you out of a negative headspace. It could be going for a walk. It could be knitting or crocheting. It could be coloring. There's a lot of different things you can do. It doesn't even necessarily have to be like active, but just find another hobby. It could be like taking a nap, you know, like what do you need or what else can you use to soothe yourself besides food? Yeah. I think it's a common suggestion. You may have heard it before, but folks will say, go for a walk. Like you said, go do something else for 10 minutes and allow yourself that after that 10 minutes has passed, if you still are craving or want to binge on something, then okay, do it. Mm -hmm. But eventually I think you'll find something that does take the place of needing. Yeah. So often it's like a right in the moment thing. And all it takes is 10 minutes. It's like something triggers you and you go. Whereas if you're just like, okay, I'm going to go walk around the block and then I'll see how I feel. A lot Mm -hmm. of times it subsides. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it is weird. You kind of go into autopilot. You're Mm -hmm. you're just like a zombie sometimes. Yeah. And so it's really important to try to learn how to break that cycle Mm -hmm. and, you know, change your mindset around that so that you're in a different space. And a lot of times moving or walking or something is very helpful in breaking that up. But I think last, the first episode of this was on a journal kick. I think I yeah. mentioned it a million times. And I'm going to mention it again. A I mean, journaling really is the best. Like for this, especially for if you have, if you do struggle a little bit with some binge eating tendencies, you know, journaling, like Sean said, being aware is number one, but journaling around those times, like if it just happened and you snapped out of, you're like, oh crap, I did that again. Take the time to sit down and think about how was I feeling at that time? Was there something that triggered me? How's my sleep? How's my stress levels? Did something happen at work? And over time, you'll just gather more and more data and maybe even be able to spot trends and clues as to why you're doing what you're doing. And then that'll only serve to help you get out of that cycle. I think it too would be really helpful to write down like what you're craving or what you want to binge on or what you did binge on, because you might even be able to see patterns of like, oh, I'm always reaching for higher fat items. Maybe I'm just low in fat. Like I need some fat soluble vitamins. You can see trends in that way too. And definitely date your entries because Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many people I've worked with where it was something they realized, oh my gosh, this happens at the same time in my cycle every Mm, month. Yeah. So there could be a link there. Yeah. It could be hormonal for sure. Yeah. So many different cases, but the number one thing is binges are communication. That's all it is. Yep. How our bodies communicate to us. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. I am having a hot flash over here. You are. I totally am. I don't know what's going on. Are you hormonal? (laughs) I might be. I think so. Maybe. I don't I just think it is kind of warm in here. (laughs) It's like stuffy. (laughs) And it's like a hundred degrees outside. So like all of a sudden my face started to feel very hot. Anyways. Do you need to take a break? No, I'm good. Okay. But you know, here I am. It's my job to keep us on task. It's a very hard task. Totally the one getting us off track. That's okay. It happens. All right, Hannah. I have been attempting to eat intuitively for some time now. However, food continues to consume all of my thoughts. I generally enjoy eating whole, real foods. I seem to never feel satisfied, always wanting more. The majority of the time, I honor these cravings, but I'm exhausted with tending to my desire for such large portions. Do the cravings non-satiation mean I am still in a diet mindset? Yeah, it could be. Because... When you are truly eating intuitively and using your internal guidance and all that system is a go, you pretty much never think about food unless you're hungry and it's time to make some food. It does not consume all your thoughts by any means. So I would really still try to continue to dive in and make sure something else is going on. I mean, to be honest, even you asking, am I still in a diet mindset means that you know, because when you're not, you know, like, you know, that's not what's going on. So I really want to know for sure if Hannah is truly eating what is satisfying her. So she says she enjoys consuming whole real foods, which means she's probably eating kind of like a paleo-ish. I don't even know if people call that anymore, but you know, like a real food diet, which means she could still be thinking that foods that don't fit that framework aren't something that she can have. So like she might still be thinking that rice and beans and what else is not allowed? Peanut butter, like all these things aren't something that she includes. So I really want her to dive into that and see if there are still like just walk through the grocery store. And even if you're in like Whole Foods, which generally has, you know, really nice things to eat that aren't going to totally damage our body. But walk through and see if you're still saying like, oh, I'm not going to go there because I can't have that. Just see what you say to yourself or what comes up as far as your diet ego, knowing that you really truly can have whatever you want in that entire grocery store. It's all open to you. It's all just food. So is there anything that still comes up? Just do that little exercise. (laughs) No, that'd be actually pretty cool. Just browse around and then look at something and be like, no, I don't want that. And then is it because there's a fear behind that? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm afraid of eating that for X, Y, Z. Maybe it gives you gas. Maybe you think you're going to gain weight with it. Or is it truly because you're like, ah, that is not a healthy thing to consume. Right. And or I know that when I do eat this food, I get gas. Like, I know that I've tried it. I've done it. I don't want it. But that's something that I know for sure. So I think there still could definitely be some underlying diet ego there in Hannah's past. The other thing I want to say is if you are under eating or have ever under eaten, 
then yes, it may just take some time where your body really truly needs to know there's no famine, it's safe, I'm never going to be low on energy consumption ever again. This is cool. I don't need to eat everything to try to conserve and save up some energy for the next famine, aka diet. So that could be going on too, depending on how long it's been for Hannah and what's really going on. Also, she's eating such large portions, but are those good, solid, big meals? And if so, are they like primarily vegetables that don't really have a whole lot of energy associated? Like, is it a giant plate of broccoli? Well, that's why these questions are difficult to answer because we don't know anything about Hannah. We don't know how often she works out. Mm -hmm. You know, large portions, that is very subjective. So to her, maybe she spent five years eating a thousand calories. And so 1600 seems large to her, but if she's working out six days a week, Mm -hmm. then you know, like 2,500 maybe where she needs to be, but she's she's considering her, her current intake to be large. Just when, based on where she has Like been. if I saw that or if you saw that, we'd be like, oh my gosh, that is a small meal. Yeah. So who knows what this Like you really had two means. cups of broccoli. That's not really doing a whole lot for you as far as satiation goes. So keep that in mind. I'm really proud of you for honoring it. I understand that it's exhausting, but really make sure that you're not only honoring the amount of food that you eat, but what you want to eat from a very neutral standpoint too. And I would be surprised if that didn't change. And just as a side note, that's one of the really great things about intuitive eating and eating what you really truly want and need in the moment is again, we think for those of us that have never done it, that you're just going to eat nonstop because you've probably spent many years being hungry and depriving yourself. But what actually ends up happening is a lot of times it really balances out and you truly do eat just the right amount that your body needs. So there's not really that much opportunity to overeat. Yeah, it may happen sometimes if you're just really super enjoying that food or it's Thanksgiving or something like that. And that's totally okay and to be expected and nothing wrong with that. But the majority of the days, just as you go about your own business, you're finding the exact amount of food that you need in that moment at that day. So overeating just doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, and, you know, experiment, right? We all need to be experimenting. And I think if you've come from a place of a lot of restriction or diets over the years, you do have to almost um, push yourself or challenge yourself to expand your palate a little bit just as a way to try new things or reintroduce things you haven't touched in years and years Mm -hmm. just to see what happens. And I think then you, you will settle in on what actually works for you and what doesn't. And I think coming, coming in from restriction and then trying to eat intuitively without pushing yourself a little right. bit, you're still very limited mm-hmm. almost in your mind. You know, you're so used to being limited. Well, so. because you're still assuming those foods right. don't work for right. you without knowing is a big difference. I mean, you may thrive on some white rice mm-hmm. every once in a while. I mean, I, again, don't know Hannah's case at all, but if you come from a grain free approach, which is like the paleo type approach, then you haven't potentially have any grains, any rice, any oats, nothing like that in years months, maybe no matter what, but you have gotten to a point where you don't know that for you. And this is where, again, we have to like expand the bubble and see what works for us versus what some sort of guidelines say. Right. Don't be afraid to experiment and don't be afraid to experiment with eating, you know, more protein Mm -hmm. or more fat or whatever. See what's missing there. Experimentation all around. Your body will tell you. This Keto for Women episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. I wanted to partner with BetterHelp because I know that many of you listening right now are working through some personal issues, some life circumstances, something that is taking a toll on you mentally, physically, and emotionally, and it's keeping you stuck. And since we're all here to better ourselves and our health, we need to come at it from all angles. I firmly believe that professional counseling is a non-negotiable tool for many of you on this journey you're on. BetterHelp connects you with professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient. 
You can now get the help you need on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist when you need it. BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleep issues, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, and self-esteem. BetterHelp is available worldwide. It's secure, it's convenient, and it's professional help. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Keto for Women show listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code KETO. That's K-E-T-O. I think we all know how to spell that by now. Get started on healing yourself mentally and emotionally. Go to betterhelp.com slash keto. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs, and then you'll get matched with a counselor that you will love. That's betterhelp.com slash keto. Get 10% off your first month with BetterHelp using discount code keto. I love Sammy's question. Oh, Sammy, let's see. I have a hard time with the what the hell effect. Like, I already ate the piece of cake or... I'm already out of ketosis. What the hell? I might as well have another piece with ice cream and cookies. <laughs> Any advice for staying mindful and not turning one piece of cake into a complete carb dessert free for all? I think we've all been there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think we've all been in Sammy's shoes for sure. This is full on diet ego talking at its finest. So you've completely tapped out of your own body and what you want and what sounds good and what would be appealing and still make you feel really good at the end of the day. And you're letting this arch enemy take over, which is this diet ego. So it's happening for two reasons. First of all, you have made rules. And you put these labels on cake and cookies and ice cream that they are bad and you can't have them. They're not on the plan. Again, when I'm using air quotes and all of this diet ego talking big time. So then once you have those rules and it's like, well, I might as, as well just go totally off plan. I might as well just be really bad. I might as well just start again tomorrow. You know, again, diet ego then has this rationality for it, but it's still not actually you and your intuition talking is this other bad guy. And then secondly, you could also be doing this. And I, again, we're kind of go back to that binge eating stuff because your body is deprived. If you have been ketoing really hard and maybe keto is either not right for you or maybe you can be keto and have more carbohydrates and that's what your body needs right now, then when you have the chance to eat carbs and sugar and all that, you're going to go for it. Your body's just going to take over and no amount of willpower will ever compete with that. Your body will win because it has been deprived for so long. Now it sees these energy rich foods and it's going to go for it. So I don't know, Sammy, again, Sammy, lots of information we don't have, but I'm assuming she's eating some sort of keto diet because she says that one of her diet ego things is I'm already out of ketosis. Is it a super too low carb diet? Are you ketoing too hard? Are you not eating enough food overall? Again, if you're doing that, then that cake is going to win out every time because your body needs that and wants that and it's deprived right now. It's sensing a famine. So any chance that it sees a way to get more energy is going to go for that. So in order to actually not have this happen, once you let your intuition take over, it becomes a non-issue because you have no negative emotion or really any emotion attached to that piece of cake. You eat the cake or you decide you don't want the cake, your choice. You enjoy the cake or in a lot of cases, me especially, I used to love cake. Cake now is disgusting to me. Like I truly do not like it. And I kind of wish I did because I kind of want a piece of cake, but I don't like it and it's awful. But you enjoy the cake or you don't and you move on with your life. You have the cake, you have maybe one bite, maybe of the whole thing. Maybe you have two big pieces. It's completely not a defining moment. It means nothing. You move on with your life. You don't attach that emotion to it and you don't label it. You don't label yourself or it or the experience or anything. It's just like 10 minutes of your life and that's it. And then you move on, you go dance. I'm, just, I'm like picturing Sammy at a wedding <laughs> and then you go dance and you have a great time and it's great. 
So the other important thing, you're not depriving yourself. Because if you eat intuitively, you're going to eat, like I just said, enough food to fuel you regularly on a daily basis, fuel your workouts, fuel your sleep, fuel your brain power, fuel all of it. So you will not have this deprivation happening. And the cake really isn't that special. It's nothing new. It's nothing special. It's just cake. Maybe you want it. Maybe you don't. But all of that is gone besides it just being a piece of cake. If you really wanted to, you could have cake every day of your life. You really could. You have the choice. It's all your choice. I but I feel like most people wouldn't feel that good on cake every day. Probs not. Yeah. They'd probably get scurvy or something. <laughs> I don't right? know. Is that a thing still? I it, bet it could be. <laughs> I don't know. But I think, I feel like a broken record, but I'd say to Sammy, just do it. Like, don't restrict. Like, your challenge, don't restrict yourself. And when you get a couple of days into that, don't freak out mm -hmm. and then go back to doing it again. Just ride it out. Yeah. And especially if you know it's coming, like if you know you're going to a wedding, you know there's going to be cake. Cool. Instead of being like, oh God, there's going to be cake. Do I eat it? Do I not eat it? This is really like a hard decision. Like I kind of want it, but I really shouldn't because I'm keto right now or it's going to make me feel bad. Just be like, cool. There's going to be, I mean, you probably won't even think about it once you actually use your intuitive sense. But as you're starting to work this muscle a little bit, like I'm just going to see how I feel when I, when I get there. Like I might have cake. I might not. I'm going to just play it by ear. It's just, that's a thing that's around. No big deal. It's just cake. Yeah. Stick with it. Get over the hump. And Sammy, reach out to Sean on Instagram and let her know how it goes. Yeah. Just trying this. Yes. Everybody's different. So we're curious how it works for you and, and to see if you can get over once you're past the restriction and then all of a sudden you may eat a ton of cake, but then you're like, meh, I really am. I'm ready to moderate it. Now I don't really want it all the time. I don't want double pieces or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you're back to being connected. It's your the can't have effect. What you want. You want yes. <laughs> like, wait, what is that again? You want what you can't have. Yes. Yes. All right. Up next, Miranda, how do I balance intuitive eating while also dealing with gut healing and needing to avoid certain foods? Yeah. So this is something we kind of touched on in the beginning, which is, you know, is there a way to eat intuitively and still follow certain guidelines for certain diets or whatever? And it is possible to have food restrictions and eat intuitively. The difference is that you, you and only you, are determining what works and doesn't work for you. And then you use that information. You're, it kind of, you can think of your intuition as a storage bank. So it's storing that for future use. So if you eat... Again, I'm just going to go back to rice because that sounds pretty good right now. If you eat white rice and you haven't for a while or whatever, you don't know, you might have a sensitivity to it. If you eat it, going in with curiosity, not like fear, like, oh my God, I'm going to eat this and I'm going to have this huge blood sugar spike and my world's going to be rocked and I'm never going to feel the same again. But if you go into it just with curiosity and compassion for wanting to learn more about yourself, then you can explore that. And if it doesn't work, if you don't feel good afterwards, or maybe it just doesn't even taste as good as you thought it would, and you actually prefer cauliflower rice, which is totally like legit. I really like cauliflower rice. But you have this experience and you decide for yourself, I don't really want white rice. And your body stores that. So it if it doesn't make you feel good, your body remembers that. And it's not going to push you towards something that doesn't make you feel good. So it may be that you need to eat a more low-carb, high-fat keto approach. It may be that you need to eat autoimmune protocol, which means you don't eat nuts, you don't eat peppers, all those things. It's quite the diet. I've done it. It was really hard. But when I did it, I did not use my intuition. I just did what people told me I should do if I have autoimmune disease. I didn't follow my own guidance system. And I actually ended up eliminating foods for a long period of time, some of my favorite foods that I didn't actually need to because they weren't an issue for me. And that's really sad. We don't want to do that. So take the time to find out what works for you. And again, if you have, so gut healing, I'm assuming that she means that she needs to avoid certain foods in order to heal her gut lining. Maybe she has some sort of overgrowth. And so certain foods would feed that overgrowth. If this is something that you know, and you know those foods don't work well for your gut health, they affect you in some way, then yes, of course, avoid those foods. Part of eating intuitively is eating 
for the best health and happiness for your body. Of course, health comes into it. And right now, if you have gut healing to do, that's part of your overall health. Your body will guide you to that. Cool. Let's move on. Last Last one. one. Last one. Denise, how to stop eating when you know it's emotional eating. Yes, this very much goes along with the binge eating plan. So everything I said about binge eating, that really truly applies to emotional eating too. It's a sign from your body. So when you eat emotionally, take that as more information, as another sign. The biggest thing that comes from emotional eating as what's really going on is that you're not taking proper care of yourself and your needs, which is interesting because when we have emotions, that's really what that is. It's like we're avoiding something that we should be feeling or should be experiencing or need to talk to somebody about, or we're so busy that we haven't taken enough care of ourselves. This is something, and this is where it kind of differs, I think, from binge eating, is that it really needs to be more about self-care. And I think Mm -hmm. if you can really, of course, it also, that's the case with binge eating, but this really hones in on that piece, I think a little bit more. So what else do you have to explore with that actual emotion? So you need to figure out the emotion. Is it boredom? Is it fear? Is it sadness? Is it loneliness? Is it happiness? I mean, you're going to emotionally eat. We all do. It's okay. So I don't want you to think that because you eat sometimes because you're out with your friends and you're celebrating and it's a really happy time and you eat more than you normally would, that that's a bad thing. It's not, it's expected. But if it becomes a habit and if it is tied to an emotion that you're trying to not experience and you're using food as a way to cope, that's when we really need to look a little further. So what is that emotion? Why do you have it? And what do you need to do to fix that emotion or to improve the way you're feeling right now. And you have to know that food isn't going to do it for you. We want it to. And maybe it does for a short period of time because, you know, we have this dopamine response and we feel a little bit better after we do eat, but that's very short term. So what over the long term can put you in a better spot emotionally that's not food? Again, journaling, huge, right? And you might have more to say about that because you're the journal master apparently around here. I'm done. <laughs> Can't say it anymore. Just beating that dead horse. <laughs> but I really do, again, goes back to the same thing. Do something else in the moment. But really, please use that as a sign and please take care of yourself. Use that time for self-care. So maybe find your favorite self-care activity and go do that before you get into this emotional eating cycle see how that goes. But this is where we really have to come to terms with the fact that we're probably not taking good care of ourselves. Yeah. Do you remember when we talked about the fire escape plan like ages ago? Yeah. Have have we talked about it on here before? Yeah, I think we did. Oh, cool. Yeah. A long time ago. But why don't you talk about it again? I mean, I think that this is a great time to talk about it again, because it does work in these kinds of situations where if you develop your own plan, so when something comes up like this where you're you're starting to emotionally eat, it is really difficult to break that thought pattern and break that cycle. So if you have a list of things you've already determined are helpful or support you getting out of that emotional state. So like Sean said, going for a walk, doing breathing exercises, meditating, working out, listening to music or something like that, then when you're kind of in a in a moment where you can't think straight, you can pull out your list and it's already right there telling you what to do and you can follow it and see if that helps get you out of the syndrome. But I also want to say too, that there are a lot of really great therapists and counselors out there that specialize in working through emotions that tend to lead to emotional eating. Mm -hmm. So it's something where you can definitely experiment on your own and and see how far you can get. But if you keep running into roadblocks, maybe it's a great time to talk to somebody about it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's one of the biggest reasons why I think emotional eating happens because again, we're not going towards our needs, like what we actually need as humans. We're stuffing it, we're ignoring it, we're trying all these things when really, if we just acknowledge it, accept it, 
and get some help a lot of times. And it could just be that you need to talk to a friend. Maybe you do need to seek professional help. Maybe you need to talk to your partner. Maybe it's something that's going on with you guys, but stuffing it, trying to ignore it, all those things that we do very typically with our emotions is really just a sign that you are lacking in your amount of care. And I love the idea of this fire escape plan because the fire escape plan really is just like your self-care plan. Like Mm -hmm. all these Mm -hmm. things make me feel really good. It's me taking care of myself. And I love that. So having that at the ready, and I know, I think you have yours on your phone, like Mm -hmm. a list that's just in your notes on your phone. That like if something happens, even just at this very quick moment, you have all these other places to turn besides like, I need to go through the drive-thru kind of situation. Well, with binge eating and and emotional eating, it's almost like the drive is so strong that you almost can't stop it. Mm -hmm. So it really is like turns your brain off. So having this thing that's already pre-made that you're like, all right, all I need to know to do is to follow these. It helps. It helps a lot, I think. Maybe we should create a fire escape plan template for people to download. We could totally do that. That would be fun. Yeah. Let's All right. Put we'll it work on, on that. We'll let you know when December. that happens. <laughs> yes. One of these years. We'll get to that. All right. I think that wraps it up. Those are all the lovely questions that we're going to cover on this particular diet mindset episode. There will probably be future ones because I can tell it's a big one that a lot of us need. So thank you everyone who submitted those and we will be back next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.